Hey, well, good morning. Like Pastor Jim had mentioned, my name is Don. I work with an organization called Compassion UK. I want to share with, with you all today from the book of Isaiah. I know that you guys have been in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 54. And, and I perhaps want to share something a little bit fresh with you today. So let me just share two verses. It's going to come on the screen from the NIV. It says this here, verse 1, Isaiah 54. Sing, barren women, you who have never bore a child, burst into song. Shout for joy, you who were never in labor, because they're... Because more are the children of the desolate woman than, than of her husband, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your tent, curtains wide, do not hold back, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. Let me just pray for a moment. Lord, we just invite your Holy Spirit to be here today. Lord, I pray that, Lord, I, as I was driving up the, the, the drive from the church today, I was seeing everyone gathered outside, and Lord, I was looking, I said, Lord, let me just serve these people today. Let this not be about what I have in my mind, but Lord, walk through me, because I know in myself I am not enough. I know in myself what I have to say is not enough, but your word is enough. You're enough. And we ask today that your Holy Spirit comes and moves in power. We thank you today for this church. We thank you that we can gather freely. We thank you that we can gather together. Lord, and we do not take that for granted. Let us never be a people who forget the gathering of the saints. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. You know, we're, we're a shame with Pastor Jim. We're, uh, we're moving house, and our house goes on the market tomorrow. It's one of those kind of scary moments that you have. You, you were in a great home, but we're moving for better schools for our kids and, and, and all that sort of stuff. And uh, I remember a few years ago when we moved from our flat to where we live now, and uh, one day we were just kind of getting ready. The, you, you know what it's like when you're selling your house, you're fixing all the cracks in the wall, and you're painting rooms and, and, and uh, pictures that are really silly. You take them away for, for, for the wedding picture that looks a bit cheesy, but actually it looks better in the, when people come and see it. But I remember we are getting the house ready, and one day, it's uh, halfway through the day, I popped out to the gym, and, and I'm walking down, and I can see the neighbor next door, they're, they're getting the carpet changed, like block, blocks of flats, and there's carpet everywhere in the back of my mind, because these guys always dump their rubbish in our bin shed, I'm thinking, that rubbish better not end up in my bin shed. Anyway, I went to the gym, done my thing, I picked up a coffee on the way back, and, 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 and as I'm at the house, I see this big giant roll of carpet in our bin shed. I'm seething. I'm like, if it rains tonight, it's going to be stinky. There's going to be foxes. There's going to be cats. It was so Christian of me. I thought, I've had enough. So I picked it up over my shoulder because I'd been at the gym, so I felt extra strong. And I'm walking over, and I dumped it in their bin shed, this, this block of flats there. Next thing I hear is, hey, you. And I'm looking around. And I look up, and there's, there's, there's this, this, this chap, and he's, he's shouting down at me. He said, you son don't you dump that in here, it's no mine. I say, well, I'm really sorry, buddy, but it, it was your block of flats that was dumped in our bench. I don't really want to have to deal with it, so I'll leave it there. And he said, I'm warning you. And I looked up, I thought, really? <laughs> you warned? I said, I'm leaving it there, pal, best of luck. And I walked in, so I walked back into the house and back upstairs and, and I've got my, my, my preaching notebook and, and I've got my Bible because I was preparing for a thing I'm speaking at that weekend and I thought I showed him. How good was that? Was, you, know, you know that way I took the, you ever, you ever take the low road? You can take the high road, you take the low road. I took the low road and I felt great and I'm like, okay, right God, we're going to smash this message, we're going to do it. And I just felt like this little tap on my shoulder. And it was the Holy Spirit. Who do you think you are? I'm like, okay, okay. I'm like, God, what do I do? What do you think you should do? <laughs> I was like, okay. So <clears throat> I put my hoodie on, put the hood up. 
I went down to my car, I put the seats down, and I reversed my car in to their bin thing, and I dumped it in mine and took it to the dump. And I, I saw the, 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 the chap upstairs looking down, just completely confused <laughs> as to what had just happened. You know, I think sometimes that we, when we look back on our lives, we wish there were things that we could do differently. One of the things I love about uh, our, our iPhones, for those of an iPhone, uh, they, ha- they kind of have this feature now called, it's called featured photographs. And you look at it every day, and it throws back to pictures on this day four years ago. And you look back, and for us with young kids, we're like, ah, oh, do you remember? Oh, look how tiny they are there. Hey, it's their first tooth. Hey, it's the first time they did that. And it's really great. Sometimes I look back, and I'm like, my gosh, I can't believe I wore that. Or, my goodness, I don't, I don't have hair anymore. But if I did... I wouldn't wear it like that anymore. <laughs> there are just things that we look back on and things that we wish, or for me anyway, that are things I could take back. I think for many of us, David and I were chatting a little bit, I think some of us wish we could get back these last two years. Some of us have been robbed of some precious moments, family time, weddings, even sadly funerals that we wish we could have been at. I remember some friends of ours, loved ones passed and it was lockdown and I could go to the funeral but I didn't have an official invite so I just stood in the car park I remember this I remember my good friend's mum passed away and I went to the funeral again stood in the car park and within the city limits it was within the rules I promise and his wife gave me a hug this was like May 20 and I came home and I said to, to my wife Margaret I said I don't know what to do and she said, I'm not sure I would know what to do. Can I tell you, the next time I saw them, I said, I'm so sorry. I should have given you a hug. You guys were grieving. You were crying. You were a mess. I, I just dealt with that so wrong. And I think sometimes in our lives, and, 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 and I hope you can relate with this, but for me, when I look back, regret is a killer. It gnaws away at you. And I think sometimes we, we, we almost get into a place of crisis around this, 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 this regret thing. I don't know if you guys realize this, but our brains are incredible. Sometimes we tell ourselves stories. We make stories up in our minds about what happens. Someone looks at us funny. We make up a story. Maybe you're not like me. Maybe it's just me. I think, did did they do that? But here's the incredible power. Paul writes this in the Gospels. He says that we can take every thought captive. You get to decide what those stories are. You get to decide what those are. Let me tell you this, I've been really blessed in the past two years. I went back to university, I'm doing this incredible level of study around leadership and governance and finance and and how big corporate organizations operate at quite a senior level. And let me tell you this, the CEOs of the big companies that you would all purchase from, name the company, you're probably in the ballpark. They all share this trait. It's not that they're all male, it's not that they're all white, it's not that they're all tall, it's not that they're all thin, it's not that they all like Nike shoes, it's not that they all wear the, the same clothes or buy Apple products, it's this is that they are all waiting to be found out. This is true. This is like blind studies. They're waiting to be found out because they don't think they've got it. They're like, I've been in this job for five years. I've got no idea what I'm doing. We're making billions of dollars. We're employing thousands of people. We're actually changing. Life. We became more sustainable over on this end and actually all of a sudden we're helping all these farmers in Ethiopia. But I'm waiting to be We get to decide the stories that we tell ourselves. And in your mind just now, this thing, they've called it imposter syndrome. And I don't know if I necessarily buy that because I don't think you're an imposter. And I don't believe that I'm an imposter. I believe that I'm a child of God. I believe that I'm chosen. I believe that I've been marked out. I believe that there's greatness within me. And it's greater is he that's living in me than he that is in the world. You and I get to decide those stories. 
And we very often want to take things back, but God say, well, actually, I'm using that. Like Genesis, is it Genesis 50, chapter 20? Joseph has stood before his brothers who tried to murder him initially, changed their minds, sold him into slavery. He then was falsely accused. He was then falsely imprisoned. And Joseph has stood, for those of you who don't know this story, he stood essentially as like the prime minister of the richest land in the globe at that point. He has all the authority, all the power to kill his brothers, to get revenge. But he says this to them. Chapter 20, sorry I didn't give you this verse, it's just off the cuff, apologies Lindsay, I I was not that prepared. But he says this, what you meant for harm, God is used for good. And through these last two years I wonder what COVID, what rules, what restrictions, what things you've missed out on, what they meant for harm, God will use for good. But very often what happens when things go wrong, we can live in a culture where no one apologizes for things I listened to a, a, a podcast recently for, from a fallen politician who had, a, who had an affair. And you know what he said? He never admitted to it. He never once said sorry. He never once admitted fault. What he said was this, I can't help that I fell in love with another woman. And I thought, the gall of this guy. We are living in a culture that does not admit wrong. It just makes up excuses. And I think that what happens sometimes is that when, when we look at media, when we look at the, the, the kind of cancel culture that we live in, I think we become as Christians scared to speak out. We become scared to share our faith. In America, they call it the, the shy Trump voter. 2016, love him or loathe him, gosh, he's a character, but love him or loathe him, majority of people, who are you going to vote for? Oh, I'm voting Democrat. Oh, can't vote for Trump. Oh, I'm voting Hillary. I'm voting Hillary. What happened? Trump became president. Why? Because there was this shyness. In the UK, 85% of people will not share their true political or religious views. Why? For fear of reprisal from the radical left. And yet we read Isaiah chapter 54, sing, O barren woman, not whisper, not just text a few buddies, but sing, share it from the rooftops. And this Isaiah chapter 54 is like a prophetic word for the church. Believers at the time, uh, the, the, the Jewish nation, the Hebrews, they would have been under such crazy levels of law. Listen to this. Does this sound familiar? They would have been told how and when they can sing, how they can interact with people, who they can and who they cannot socialize with. They called it law. We would call it restrictions. Does that sound familiar? We have been living under this for years, and please hear me, on many levels this stuff was necessary, but single bar women, you who never bore a child, burst into song, shout for joy. We have perhaps believed a lie about ourselves, oh, I'm not good enough. Like those CEOs, I'm going to get found out, I'm not as good as Pastor Jim, you know, I, I can't lead worship as great as these guys, you know, I, I don't know, you don't know what's going on in my life, I don't. But can I tell you, not one of us is good enough. The Bible says that we are but filthy rags. Not one of us. You know, Donna blew it as a parent this past week. Hello, I've done it this morning. Join the club. I got it wrong. Hello, I'm the founding member. What lie have you believed about yourself? What are you taking in? What are you listening? What source are you drawing that from? You might be saying, Don, you know, I'm not the same. I was such a different guy before COVID. I was, a different, I was a different wife before COVID. I was a different mother. I was a different friend. I was a different whatever before COVID. I'm such a different person now. My life has changed. And, and you know, I'm just, I'm going to get found out. I'm waiting on it. It's gonna, I'm waiting on it. That is the accuser. That is the tormentor. That is a lie from the pit of hell. 
For you are made righteous, you are made whole in Jesus Christ. And what you're saying there is this, when Jesus says that I am enough, when uh, Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20, what, what does it say? Do, who knows Ephesians chapter 3 20? 100%. You are made whole, you are perfect in Christ. To him who is able to do immeasurably more in your life, and yet we put him in a box. What did God tell you in that, that, that little dream that you had that night? That still small whisper, that prophecy that you got in 1997, what did God tell you? Because can I tell you, church, he has not changed his mind. He has not given up on you. God is not schizophrenic. He's not one person one day and changes his mind the next. He has not given up. But we worry what, what, what might people say, you know, if I step out in faith and do this thing. Look, let me tell you this, this has been our world the past six months, past seven months. Last year, my wife and I, we spent six months praying, should we move house, should we not? You know, are we getting ahead of ourselves? You know, like, like we, we became like, like, I've came from like proper working class roots. Like I grew up in a family with benefits living at the bottom of the Scottish index of multiple deprivation. Four children living in a two bed flat, getting by on like 80 quid a week. That's where I've came from to the place now where we own our own home and actually we could perhaps afford to move to a really nice area and send our kids to actually a really good school rather than me being sat next to the biggest drug dealer in the town in my English class, which was the truth. Let me tell you this, where I grew up, one of my friends uh, committed suicide, three of them are in prison and multiple friends have problems with substance abuse and the only difference in my life was the saving grace of Jesus Christ. So last year, we're saying, God, we're going to believe for this. And you know that way, it's like, I have belief, but God help my unbelief. And I'm scared, but I don't know what to do. And I, I prayed last year. I said, God, this was like October last year. I said to Margaret, my wife, I said, we have to wait till Easter. We have to get ready to sell our house at Easter, but we have to wait. And God has been really specific. And there's a few other things going on right now as well that we were to wait until Easter. And I was like, okay. And there wasn't like a landmark thing that happened at Easter. Someone didn't show up at a door, right? It's a big chance. They buy your house. I didn't get some prophetic word. It was just wait till Easter. What then happened was my wife, Margaret, who had serious problems with her foot a few years ago, she was at a soft play with the kids, fell and hurt her other foot. She was off work for two and a half months with a really bad foot. We developed COVID. I then developed post-viral fatigue. I, I could barely pick myself off, up, up off the floor for three months. We then headed into the new year. We got a call in the middle of January. I'm just back at work. I'm just getting into the flow of things. Listen, uh, my name's Don. Shot for Donald. Donald, your granny's really ill. We don't know if she's going to make it through the night. This is like 10.30 one night. Flew up to Inverness. Didn't literally fly, but drove up. Inverness to make sure we could see Granny before she passed. We were told she's literally got four days. She ended up lasting 12 or 13 weeks, which was like a huge blessing. But can I tell you, up and down, up and down, up and down to Inverness to get that time with Granny was really tough. And in the midst of this, no word of a lie, this is health in our family, just in our home. We had a viral infection, then chicken pox, then a vomit and bug, then our other daughter developed chicken pox, then we developed COVID again. This is all within like a six-week period as I'm trying to work full-time. I'm, I'm juggling a master's. My wife works full-time. Plus, we're trying to get up and down to Inverness. And in the midst of all this crazy family stuff, my mum is my dad's carer, but mum was away for six weeks to spend time with her mum. So myself and my two brothers are doing overnight stays back and forth with my dad to make sure that he is okay. This is mental. All within this space of time. Two weeks ago, we're like, right. We're coming out of this now, thank goodness. Granny's funeral was really tough, can I tell you? My family asked me to take it. That's the toughest ministry uh, kind of appointment or, or, or 
I've ever had to do. And then the following week was like the toughest week I've ever had with, with, with just some kind of HR issues, shall we say, within the workplace. It was a tough little spell. And we came through it and I'm like, God, what the heck is going on? So anyway, two weeks ago, we're like, okay, my house is going on the market. The estate agent's coming out. So weddings last Monday, Grace, our daughter, was sick as a dog. And I'm like, God, again. For those of you who send the kids to nursery, you know the pain of that three fours. They come back with everything. I'm like, God, not again. So three nights, no sleep. Goodness knows how many times I'm up. Margaret, my wife's got a bad foot. She struggles getting up and down the stairs. So it's me. I'm up and down, up and down. We're trying to do all this. Wednesday comes. I'm like a zombie. I'm like four coffees in and it's only 12 o'clock. And... Margaret drives off in her car, my wife, and there's a patch of oil in the driveway. And I'm like, they're coming to take pictures of the house today. They're coming to value it and there's oil in the drive. I'm like, okay, it's just a bit of oil. It's okay, it's okay. What's your up? What's your up? And I'm, I'm hoovering the house. I'm dusting. Imagine me with my little feather duster and all that sort of stuff. So we're getting the house ready. And, and I go into Grace's room, my daughter. I'm hoovering up. I'm dusting. I open the curtains. And there's a huge crack on the double glazing. I'm like, oh, dear Jesus. If the assessor sees that today, that's going on the home report. And that may cause issues for us. So I'm like panicking. I'm like, okay, what do I do? I phoned a friend as a joiner. I said, buddy, what can we do? He said, here's three glazers. I reckon the top two on that list will help you. Thank goodness they came out. They measured it within an hour. And they're coming out this week to fix it. And the assessor came. I was like, please don't see it. And I just I strategically maneuvered the blinds. Can I tell you? He never saw it. I was like, thank God. We're through it. And it's Thursday. And Grace really isn't very well at this point. She's really sick. And she's got like a sore neck and Margaret's like I'm going to take her up to the hospital like neck meningitis I took her up thank goodness she was fine uh, she was thrilled she got a big massive lollipop so this is all going on this week and I'm like God I can't believe it you told us to wait until after Easter we waited till Easter we, 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 we got the house ready we've done everything you asked us to do we've followed this perfectly to the T I can't believe this has gone on and then Friday we got a call uh, my mum had to go to the hospital she had like swelling on her arm she's got a thing called cellulitis she's on like an IV drip she's still in hospital right now my wife and my two kids are way up to see her this morning all of this has gone on and my car broke down yesterday you wouldn't but kid you not and the hassle I had, and all that was wrong is the battery. And I phoned our old clerk, Kia, and I said, hey, can I drive the car down? We said, no, we can't take it. I'm like, it's just a battery. They said, we have a backlog until the 15th of June. I'm like, you're kidding me, it's just a ba- I'm not asking you to rebuild the engine. I'm not asking you to build me a brand new car. I just need a new battery. Can I tell you, when you are heading into something new, when you're heading into new ground, new territory, and I'm still in the middle of this, but I share this to tell you that God is still with us, and I know he's still with us, but the accuser of the brethren has no place. He has no right on those dreams that you had. And in this cancel culture that we live in, I want to encourage you, church, you have not been cancelled. You have not been forgotten. You have been called out and marked out by Jesus Christ. And when we read Isaiah 54, verse 2, it says, Enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your tent curtains wide. When we stretch out for God, can I tell you, it leaves a mark. And please hear me, this is probably going to be funny when I say it, but it's no joke. But when we reach out for God, it leaves stretch marks on us. When, when David killed Goliath, he, he, he was left with stretch marks. Joseph, that I referred to earlier, he had stretch marks. When I look at, at, at Joshua... How many times did God have to tell Joshua, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, because he needed, he he was stretching out and it left a mark on him. Can I tell you, God has his mark on you. You have not been cancelled, you have not been forgotten. 
I love what it says in Acts chapter 4, verse 13. It says this here. So this is, this is some of the disciples stood before the Sanhedrin. This is the educated, the lawyers, the, the, the religious experts at the time, the theologians. It says this here. It says, when they stood before them, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus It said that they had a boldness about them, a confidence in speaking. Sing, O barren woman. What things, church, do you need to speak out? What things do you need to say? What dreams do you need to share? What jobs do you need to apply for? What businesses do you need to start? What ministries do you need to get engaged in? Like, oh, Don, I've missed out, you know, two years, COVID. My time's up. You know, I had my chance before COVID. God has not given up. I love what the Bible says, that he is slow to anger but resounding in love and his mercies are new every morning. God is a God of the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, the seventh, the eighth, the infinitesimal amount of chances. So why are you listening to yourself and those stories that you tell yourself rather than going to the source? Say, God, what do you say? What do you see? What is going on in this situation? And you might be in a situation far worse than that. Honestly, I was laughing yesterday with the car. I wasn't laughing at first, but I was like, I phoned Margaret when, once the car got jump started. I'm driving home. I said, I can't believe this. She was laughing. She said, you've got to get on it. And the word we're using right now is the tormentor because we feel like he's trying to torment us with this now to get us in a place of living beige, boring, vanilla lives rather than doing something radical for Christ. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were unqualified. Anyone in the room feel unqualified? Every day, I feel unqualified to be a dad, unqualified to be a husband, unqualified to be a, a, a leader in the organization, a part of, unqualified to do so many things. Yet you have been marked. Let me share with you from the book of Ephesians. Book of Ephesians sorry, this, I never gave you this, Lindsay. Book of Ephesians chapter one. I want to share from verses 11 to 13. In him you were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works everything out in conformity with the purpose of his will. Did you know that you are the purpose of his will? One translation said that you are his pleasure and you are his will. And we don't tell ourselves this, do we? Ah, you know, you're not good enough. You know, that person on Instagram, see that thing they posted? You could never do that. See those guys that set up that TikTok business? You could never do that. You're never that good. In order that we, who were the first to put the hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal. You are a marked person. That seal of Jesus Christ, it would have been like, old school times, the king would wear a signet ring, and he would pass it to his son, and to his son, and to his son, and what would happen, when a decree came from the king, they would drop hot wax on it, and while the wax was still hot, the, the, the ring would mark it, and you would know it came from the king. Church, you have been marked. Are you ready to now create those stretch marks and reach out for what Christ has for you? That level of generosity, that level of faith, there are internal stretch marks. There are spiritual stretch marks. Many years ago, I gave up a great career working for a, a company called Telefonica, who own O2, and I gave it up to, to like cut my salary and, and a third to go work for a local church. Why? Because I actually believed God's plan for my life. And this pa- these past two years, I've sacrificed social time. I've sacrificed family time to pursue this master's because I believe that actually God has asked me to stretch out, to reach out. 
I remember the last time we were moving home, God spoke specifically to us about generosity. I said, God, we can't afford it. Can't afford not to. Breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough, securing the home that we eventually got. But stretch marks come in the enlarging the place of your tent. I don't know what that looks like for you. I don't know what that looks like for your family. And you may be saying, Don, I've got so much on my plate. You know, you don't know what's going on. I've got, I've got school, I've got college, I've got university, I've got work, I've got church responsibilities. I'm a dad, I'm a mom, I'm a granddad, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a grandparent, I'm an aunt, I'm an uncle, I've got this, I've got that. There's too much on my plate. Well, I wonder if you're, you're looking at your plate and, and you're thinking there's too much. I wonder if you should just say, God, give me a bigger plate. Enlarge the place of my tent. Enlarge my mental capacity, enlarge my spiritual capacity, enlarge my financial capacity, enlarge my ability to give, my ability to pray. God, help me. You're like, oh, I meet so many people sometimes. Oh, Don, I'm not sure how you, you, you do so much with this, 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 and this, and whatever else. And I'm like, well, I actually don't really watch that much TV. You're like, but you love all these movies and stuff. Yep, I'm really selective about what I watch. Like social media, like I have like a love-hate relationship with social media. I love to hate it. I've got to be honest, it's one of these necessities for keeping in touch and, and in community with friends and family that live all around the world, but I really don't like it. I actually loathe it. Every so often, I just delete every app off my phone, and I just go like cold turkey, I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I find myself in a much better headspace. Stretch yourself. I think when we look at Instagram, we're, we're scrolling through everybody else's life. Everybody else seems to have it together. Through lockdown, people were starting businesses, pioneering new churches and starting podcasts and all these great things. And I don't know if you're like me, but I felt totally unworthy. Like, I can never achieve those heights. But your life is adventure enough. Your world, your family, your friends, what you have is adventure enough for you. And I wonder today if you could invite God into the stretch. What does that stretch look like? Enlarge the place of your tent. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. This was like a prophetic message for the church who were in restriction. We've spent two years in restriction, and now we're out of it. I wonder if God's saying to you, enlarge the place of your tent. Don't worry about what's going on to the left or to the right. Listen to me. What is it I'm saying? What is that promise I have for you? You might be going over and over and over in your mind, your greatest mistakes, your greatest failures. Stop telling yourself these stories you're allowing the tormentor into your world. You have not been cancelled. God has not given up on you. What would it look like if we decided to trust God again like we did when we first got saved? I love what David writes. Is it Psalm 50, Psalm 52? He says, Lord, restore to me the joy of my salvation. I wonder if you could say, God, restore to me that joy once again. We trusted God like that again. And, and you know, we know what the Bible says, for we're not unaware of the enemy's schemes. He doesn't work necessarily in a place to get you to do some awful, bad, terrible thing. He works you in a place to keep you exactly where you are. Muted, quiet, worried about being can oh, I don't want to share my faith. You know, I'm going to be a Christian in, in, in my workplace, but you're like this covert ninja that no one would ever know. Because you don't tell anyone. But the Bible says that we are supposed to be salt and light. What does that mean? That we taste a little bit different and actually there's something that radiates out of us that actually is quite attractive. I wonder if today God's just saying, hey, shake the dust off your feet, man. It's been a tough few years, 100%. We acknowledge it. We all recognize it's been quite challenging. I wonder if God is saying, shake the dust off your feet. Sing, O barren person. 
Where are your dreams? Where are your desires? You've not been cancelled. Now, obviously, I'm here representing compassion. I mean, it could be today that you've been praying for an opportunity to do something significant. This does not seem significant at first. But let me tell you, when you start to see little boys like Noah go off to high school, go off to university, go off to college, and all of a sudden, in 20 years' time, he finds you on Facebook, and he reaches out to you. He's graduated from the program. He's like, hey, I'm, I'm now like an architect. I don't know if you know, but you are part of my journey. I see you as my second dad. That's what you've done. I wonder if that could be a stretch today. I wonder if your stretch today is to start engaging more with some of the ministries in the life of church. You're like, ah, I've been thinking about going to that men's thing. Mm, I've been considering it involved with youth and kids and mission. And mm, should I, shouldn't I? You know, I do a great job in this car park on a Sunday. Don't know if I should do that. Should I, shouldn't I? It's like the story of the man who, who's going to drown. You've probably heard this a thousand times over. But he's, 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 his whole community's been flooded. And he's, he's, God, please help me. Please help me. And someone comes along in a boat. And, and he said, do you want to come on the boat? No, God's sending something to help me. And he's like, God, can you please help me? And a helicopter comes, throws a ladder down. And he said, do you want, some, do you want us to, to, to come up and, and, and get you, make sure you're saved? No, 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 no. God is sending someone to help me. And then he dies and he stood before God. And he said, God, uh, why didn't you send someone to help me? Well, I sent someone on a boat and I sent someone on a helicopter. What else were you waiting for? And I wonder if church today, <laughs> what are you waiting for? What is it you are waiting for? Let me show you a video today. And this is an encouragement, I hope, to those of you who sponsor. But perhaps a challenge for those of you who are thinking, what is it I can get alongside God and partner with them in? Have a look at that. You know, I wonder if in a few years' time, maybe four or five years' time, as we we really start to come into this post-COVID world that we're, we're all exploring, I wonder what the question is going to be. What did you do during lockdown? What does it look like? A part of me even wonders if job interviews may ask that question. What did you do during lockdown? Well, I was at furlough for 16 months. It was great. I sat in the garden every day and we, we bought a hot tub. It was fantastic. But I wonder if that's going to be the case. I wonder if you will be asked what you did. And I, I, would, I would wonder that of myself. What did I really do during lockdown? It was challenging, but what did I do? And I wonder if God is maybe stirring people's hearts here today, thinking, well, actually, maybe I've not been cancelled. Maybe I can stretch out. And, 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 you know, when you do stretch out, there are marks on it. And it's challenging and it's hard and it's not easy. You want to do anything that's worthwhile doing. You want to lose weight. You want to get fit. It's hard work. You know, things aren't handed to you in a plate. Regardless of what we may say, and say oh, you know, success is really easy. Success is not. Doing something great for God is not. And I wonder today, I wonder if God is just saying to you, actually, come and partner with me in this. Come and partner with me and get one of these kids sponsored. See them, their lives radically change and be a story like the one we just seen. Or I wonder if God is encouraging you to start that business. To share that dream, to start that ministry, to just start being the dad you always wanted to be. Well, I don't know how to get there. You know, it's such a big giant thing, this huge thing I've got to devour. Well, start with the first bite. Just be more patient. Find a mentor, find someone that will coach you. No, I, I don't have, like, who could be a mentor? I don't know. Look at someone that is a dad who's got kids in church and they're doing well for themselves and say, hey, can I meet you for coffee? I wonder what you could do today. You have not been cancelled. God has not given up on you. He's not forgot you. He's not written you off. He's not forgotten about you. And he won't. But God has a plan for our lives. But you have a choice whether you're going to step into it. Let me pray with you and hand back to Pastor Jim. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for these great people. (laughs) I thank you for their welcome. I thank you for their hospitality. Lord, I believe that, that most of these kids are going to find a sponsor today. But Lord more than that I pray that lives are going to be impacted today 
I pray that when we walk out this door, there's going to be WhatsApp sent, there's going to be text messages sent, there's going to be phone calls sent, there's going to be even conversations in the room today. We say, actually, this far and no further. It's been two years, it's been five years, it's been ten years. The enemy does not have a foothold in my thoughts anymore. I'm going to step into everything Christ has for me. And here's what happens. You step into it, you know the devil's going to raise his game. You know it's going to get challenging. But Lord, we're going to keep steadfast. We're going to keep true to the promises you have. I'm going to keep going and keep going. And like Paul writes, having done all else, we'll stand and we'll keep going. Lord, you pray your best upon these people. In your name we pray. Amen.